0: Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Compliant with Alliant, our Alliant Employee Benefits podcast, bringing you insights into employee benefits compliance. I'm your host, Christine Blanco, and Diana Craig is with me per usual. Hello, everyone. And today we are going to talk about a really important threshold issue When you're looking at employee benefits compliance, we're going to talk about the controlled group rules. Essentially, when are entities viewed as a single entity despite sort of multiple operations, EINs, what have you? And this is a very important question. It perhaps should even be one of the first questions you ask a plan. Yeah? Do you want to talk a little bit about the history there, Diana?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think this... um This is a topic that's very much near and dear to me. It's, you know, what are the control group rules? Why do you care? Because it's really been blowing up my inbox lately. I keep getting questions. Well, what if we make this new entity its own EIN, but it's in a separate state? well, we want to build this discriminatory plan, but we're going to make it a different subsidiary. Just all of those things have been really in my inbox, so I wanted to talk about them today. Spoiler alert, you can't do that. Yes, so here's the little bit of background. Uh, P.S., the IRS figured all this out in 1964. The control group rules were born in 1964 when IRS realized large and medium-sized businesses were trying to take advantage of lower tax rates and other loopholes by splitting themselves into multiple separate entity so they created the controlled group rules and it's basically saying if there's enough common ownership between entities they will be treated as a single uh, single entity single employer uh, generally under the code and under ERISA very good and so while we love your ingenuity it's not going to
0: work <laughs> i don't know how many times we've heard well it's a separate EIN well we'll do this but well, we'll do that and the way i like to talk about it is the IRS will peel back all of your curtains and look behind them to see what the ownership is. And so just so, just as a kind of a regulatory or statutory level set, um, we have ERISA, but ERISA incorporates a lot of IRS provisions. And so in, in Employee Benefits, we kind of think we're talking about ERISA, but a lot of times we're also talking about the Internal Revenue Code, which we are here. So... Should I talk about why it matters?
1: Oh, let's let's definitely dive into why it matters. And historically, it's the most important because during the 2000s, I was mostly concerned uh, with MIWAs. With you MIWAs. Can, yeah. Yeah, and so that tells you how old we are. We were doing it in the aughts, as they call <laughs> them,
0: group health plan compliance. I like to say pre-ACA, post-ACA. Um, and we were doing that. And and back then, we were really concerned about whether we were creating a MIWA So if you weren't commonly owned and you had a single group health plan, you could inadvertently create a MIWA, which obviously has significantly higher compliance obligations. And generally that people sort of back their way into and then haven't been complying. And so, you know, that's one of the things you really wanted to be careful of. Another thing, another issue that would come up is self-funded plans are subject to Section 105H non-discrimination rules. Those rules apply on a controlled group basis. So the testing has to be done where you fold in. All of your employees under the same control group, regardless of how many operations you have, how many separate entities you have, and we really see that being a sticking point, especially for organizations that are in acquisition mode, and they may just acquire an entity from a different G- you know, geographical region or a different type of you know operation, and so the benefit plan is different. It's self-funded. So how do you deal with that problem?
1: Well, and I I try and approach 105H from a, a pretty practical perspective. We do here eyes open. It applies on a controlled group basis. Um, enforcement is scant, if not non-existent, and there are some testing mechanics that can let you split some plans and carve some some things out, but those are complicated, so you need to know when you're diving into that deep end of the pool there. That's absolutely right. I'd also like
0: to to make a note here, too, because I think it's important. um, There's a lot of melding of the concepts between retirement plans and group group health plans, and so retirement plans, because they're subject to non-discrimination testing as well, They have the sort of separate lines of business rule called the slob rules. I'm not going to even go with that. But (laughs) at any rate, they have the separate lines of business. And we'll hear folks say a lot, well, no, no, this is fine because it's a separate line of business. Those don't apply in the group health plan context. They
1: do not. So
0: this was a mini 105H primer, but that's one of the reasons why it mattered. Then, lo and behold, we have the ACA, and it really has become... A crucial threshold question you have to know before you get off the blocks on ACA, because whether you're subject to pay or play as a large employer is determined on a controlled group basis. So before you even take step one, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Am I a large group? And it's based on a controlled group basis. So ALE status, large employer status, attaches to employers who have at least 50 full-time employees and full-time equivalents as determined over the calendar year based on the controlled group. So that means if you have an operation in Nebraska with 12 people, but your controlled group has more than 50, that little operation in Nebraska is subject to pair play.
1: Well, and uh, yeah, let's not forget the second you buy something itty bitty. If Mm -hmm. you're big, that thing you bought, it's an ALE on acquisition. And that's right. And that creates a, a ton of practical problems in terms
0: of putting something in place in a timely manner. And there are rules around that. But, you know, so all to say the controlled group issue is key for a host of reasons. It's now absolutely essential. We also would want to hit, to the ACA brought about uh, the rating rules. So, you know, the, the small group rating rules that had to apply in the insurance markets. And if you recall, um, it was 50 when it first came out, and then um, regulations allowed states to determine, you know, move that threshold up to anything under 100, or 100 and under, I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but um, were... Were could be considered small groups, so it varies state by state. But again, that's based on the controlled group, and insurance carriers should generally be asking those questions when they're rating those plans. Yeah,
1: and it, and it got way stricter after the ACA. Yes. I mean, I remember in the the old days in the aughts, as the Chris would days. say, um, carriers sometimes turned a blind eye to whether you were big or small. They did. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, but now now they really are not doing so as much, and they really shouldn't be. Right, right, and and. And just a
0: plug here that, you know, you should answer that question, truthfully. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm just saying. So at any rate, that's sort of the basis and why we care. So, Diana, will you tell us a little bit about how the rules work?
1: I will indeed. And I'm going to try and not bore everybody because, like, you know, these rules can can really get kind of complex, but I'm going to start simple, and then we're going to get into the little bit more boring, more complex, and I promise I won't spend too much time on that, you know, that I've given latter her, I've given her like, you know, I don't know, eight minutes. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's got a taser at the ready. So first and foremost, uh, parent subsidiary rules. You are in a controlled group relationship if you have a parent that owns 80% or more of your total combined voting power of all classes of stock. So common parent, parent, owns 80%. You it counts, are
0: sounds kind of scandalous when you say relationship.
1: <laughs> anyway well then it's going to get a lot worse because we're going to start talking about the brother sister controlled group Denarius, relationship you know yeah. game of thrones anyway hang on. so it's not often as just straightforward as we have a single common parent sometimes you have multiple entities with common ownership of varying degrees and then we we do the next step in the analysis which is there a brother sister controlled group so that question is uh, are there five or fewer individuals, corporations, estates, trusts, uh, other entities that directly or indirectly own 80% or more of the total voting power of stock of each entity in the group. And here is where it gets hard. Do those same individuals, entities, etc., own more than 50% uh, common ownership, but only taking into account identical ownership? And I want to explain what that is because it's a weird concept. And just in its simplest terms, if John owns eighty percent of Entity A and twenty percent of Entity B, John's identical ownership interest is only twenty percent. So that you know, basically, you're making a chart of who owns what of each entity, and you're drawing a line over to a, a column on the right where you're then taking the lower ownership percentage. That is the identical ownership per- percentage.
0: We've we've had a number of these scratched out on legal pads over the years, and and a. Uh, two practical thoughts before we move on is if this is something that you need to dive down on um we have a a very nice in-depth white paper on it so ask your alliant representative diana pen that and it's very helpful and from a practical standpoint too before we move on and you start scratching your head usually you have made this determination on your retirement plan so before you start you know parsing this out, ask the question whether your your retirement plan folks have taken a look at the issue.
1: Or your tax advisor, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to talk about one more, and right, then I'm going to stop on this. <laughs> I wanted to very briefly hit on what an affiliated service group is. So this this is totally a different one, and affiliated service groups are treated under the code as, they, as, as if they're a single employer, but this treatment doesn't necessarily extend to ERISA. So that's a flag there. But Can you let, tell us
0: why that matters.
1: Well, when we're looking at the code, we're talking about, uh, you know, 105H. When we're looking at ERISA, we're talking about uh, a Miwa line. Mm-hmm. So it's important to just know uh, when this matters and when this doesn't. And for me, this matters
0: actually on affiliated service groups, almost in the reverse of what we're talking about now, because what I find is you get a lot of physicians' groups and a lot in the medical space, and they are affiliated service groups but they're looking to combine their plan under a single group health plan and not be a MIWA. So the affiliated service group rules don't necessarily save you from that.
1: They don't. So let me just tell you really quickly what an affiliated uh, service group is. So generally we're looking at a professional organization of some sort that has an ownership relationship with either a services entity or a management entity, and that services or management entity is doing most of its work for the professional organization, so basically you have a lower-end arm doing some of the grunt work for these high, high-end professional uh, entities. It's usually health, law, engineering, accounting, architecture. So uh, you guys you guys get it on that. Um, so, Chris, what do we want to hit next? Do we want to talk a little bit about what happens with governmental yeah, entities, want, nonprofits? Let's talk about that. And then on that
0: affiliated service group, again, that's something that we see come up quite often. I would say too, like when you're making this determination, um, the, you know the compliance department here at Alliant can take a, you know, we can take a look at these things. But if it's any level of complexity, you want to consult your tax advisor because we're group health plan compliance folks, and that means we play around in the code a little bit to the extent we have to. But if you got some, some, and we can look at things and, and say, well, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Some things we can make a determination, but you definitely want to engage your tax advisor if you have any complexity. So before. Um, Another couple issues, um, nonprofits and governmental entities, how does this translate? Um, We don't see this come up a ton, but again, with the ACA, it it did. And so their sort of regulations are that um, tax exempt organizations are under common control if at least 80% of the directors or trustees of one organization or representatives of also, indirectly or directly control the other organization. So it's all about sort of control. And I've never really—I mean, I've, 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 I've drilled down on this, but I've never seen it really practically play out um, in the governmental entity space. And so there are rules there, though. So know that if you have a nonprofit and, and and it may be you know under fifty, is it linked to any other entity? Is an important question that there are. Um, rules there and then we see this a lot in private equity and venture capital and there's we could talk a long time about that yeah but um, really what I what I the takeaway is to the extent any of your portfolio companies in a fund or you know in a private equity firm um, are commonly owned within that, right? These rules apply. So you could have portfolio companies, let's say you have 15, three of them can be a member of a same controlled group and the rest could fall out of that or none of them. You know, you, what, what we find all, most of the time or a lot of the time, I don't know, we have different experiences, I think, but a lot of the time you don't have controlled group interests when you have a bunch of portfolio companies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, when I when this issue comes up for me, we're often looking at either private equity or venture capital owns a whole suite of different entities in its portfolio. And we're, we're looking at whether the portfolio itself could be a controlled group. And generally they are not, um, unless the private equity or venture capital is doing something in there to really aggressively drive day to day management of those entities, which just generally they're not. And that the law has moved there. But again, there's that second layer, which if within that umbrella, within that portfolio, portfolio, three of the little entities, you know, have mm-hmm. common ownership. They're going to be a brother control, brother right. sister controlled group, or whatever. So right. it's it's a layered analysis, and the law's been moving on it.
0: Yeah, and I, I I'll tell you, my experience is different. We never, I never really drill down on whether the 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 fund itself is a controlled group on this. It's, it's, there's this whole investment plus analysis. Like that's not the issue that that I look at. You know, Diana does, but what we see is, you know, are the portfolio companies within that at all members of a controlled group? Because if we're looking to develop plans. And group health plans, and how can we pull risk? These rules apply in that way,
1: absolutely. So, and just, I think for you know private equity, and venture capital, it's worth revisiting anytime the law is moving a lot. It
0: is moving a lot, and that there's a ton of complexity in that space, anyway. So it, it is something that comes up in that space as well. And I think, I think that brings us to the end of controlled groups. If you have questions about that. Definitely ask your Alliant, uh contact and under know that you gotta know this is an amp- this is a question you have to know the answer to. So, thanks again. Um, this wraps it up, and we will talk to you soon.